God's word together. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 12. The apostle Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And the God raised the Lord, verse 14 says, and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Verse 16, he says, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Verse 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other, person, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, with whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Father, we thank you that this day, on Father's Day, we recognize you as the perfect Father. And Lord, thank you that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and through his resurrection, that we can come to you in a relationship and call you just that, Father. And Lord, I pray as we have opened your word, you will open our minds and our hearts to receive it as truth and help us with our, in our lives to live it out so that, Lord, we may honor you with the life you've given us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, Sprite in 1994 released a campaign marketing slogan that they ran for 25 years. And the marketing campaign for Sprite was, obey your thirst. And that's what they said for 25 years. We're calling you to obey your thirst. Now, we all know Dr. Pepper's better anyway, right? But but that's what Sprite was saying, obey your thirst. And if you think about that, that is exactly the culture that Paul is writing to in Corinth that in a lot of ways is our culture still today. Obey your thirst. If it feels good, do it. Because if it feels good to you, then it must be right to you. So as long as it feels good to you, then it must be right. Obey your thirst. Obey your appetite. If it feels good, do it. It's right because it feels good to you. In our series on relationship status, what you're going to see the Apostle Paul showing us over the next few weeks as we move through chapter 6 and chapter 7 is pretty much this, is how we relate to one another shows us how we relate to God. How we relate to God determines how we relate to one another. Okay, so, so how we relate to one another determines how we relate to God. How we relate to God determines how we relate to one another. See, that relationship status of where you are, single, divorced, married, dating, you know, uh, widowed, 
It all makes a difference in how we interact with one another and how we interact with God. And here this morning, I want you to notice in this passage something he's teaching us that we have long forgotten in our culture and long forgotten among Christianity and our churches in a lot of ways. And it's this point right here. You may want to write it down. Your body belongs to God. That's it. I mean, today, if you walk out of here with just anything, walk out of here with that right there. Your body belongs to God. I mean, maybe just in, internally in your mind, just you know, whisper that quietly so you can go on and get that in your thought process. You can say that today. My body belongs to the Lord. My body, it belongs to God. Because did you notice what Paul says in verse 12? He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I'm not going to be dominated by anything. Verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Now, if you'll notice in verse 12 and 13, he does something and he's putting quotation marks around all things are lawful for me. And he does it twice in verse 12. Then in verse 13, he puts quotation marks around food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. What Paul's doing is he's quoting a very popular kind of saying within their culture. So he's essentially saying, hey, you guys say this. You guys say, all things are lawful for me. You guys say, food is food and food is for the stomach. And the reason he's quoting it this way is because in the day and time, that Greek culture, again, not a whole lot different than our culture right now, had an idea that the body itself was evil. So the physical body was evil, and since the physical body was evil, the physical body really had no value. So their culture, like our culture, would just kind of say, food is food. Sex is sex. Doesn't matter what you do to your body, because your body, at the end of the day, doesn't have any value. That's why Paul says this in verse 12, and don't miss it. He says, I will not then be dominated by anything. He's going, listen, guys, you're saying obey your thirst. You're saying if it feels right, then it must be right because it feels right to you. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be dominated by anything because pay attention right here. The more you obey your thirst, your thirst becomes your God. God's no longer your God. Your thirst is. The more you obey that desire that is outside of the will of God for your life, that now becomes your God, not God of the Bible. So the more you buy into the lie, all right, I'm just going to obey my thirst. I'm just going to do what I want to do because it feels right to me. And if it feels right to me, that thirst now becomes your God. That's why Paul says this in Romans chapter 6. In verses 12 through 14. And you can write that down, read a little bit more on it later, but let me just go over it with you real quick. Romans 6, 12 through 14, Paul says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God and as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for unrighteousness. 
For no sin will have dominion over you since you are not under law but grace. So Paul's saying, listen, don't obey your thirst because the more you obey that thirst, that's going to become your God. It's going to dominate you. That's why he says in verse 13 this, food is meant for the stomach, the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. But you may want to underline this in your Bible, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So that means this, your body right now is the Lord's, right? You belong to the Lord. It's his body. And right now, your body is to be used for the Lord, right? So think about that. In our minds, we can think about God. When we think about God in our minds, that's an act of worship, right? So we can use our minds for the Lord. You can use speech for the Lord. You know, you talk to somebody about Jesus. You invite them to church. You share scriptures with them. You have a gospel conversation. A gospel conversation is where you, maybe you get a chance to talk a little bit about God. You know, you pray with them. Or, or maybe you share the gospel all the way through from, you know, death, burial, and resurrection. But you can talk about the Lord. You can serve the Lord now. Uh, just like Caitlin and our youth went out, they served the Lord with their bodies this past week, right? You can serve the Lord with your hands and your feet and going to do something on a mission trip, helping out with vacation Bible school, all kinds of ways you can serve the Lord in the community. So your body right now, Paul is saying, is for the Lord and you can serve him right now. But watch this in verse 14. Not only is your body for the Lord now, but your new body one day is for the Lord in heaven. Look what he says in verse 14, where he says, and God raised the Lord and will also raise up, uh, and will also raise us up by his power. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So not only is your body to be used for God now, but as a believer in Jesus Christ, your resurrected body is gonna be used by God in heaven. I saw this picture on Facebook a um, couple of weeks ago, and I put it up there on my, for myself on, on my profile. I'll just leave it on up there for a few minutes. And so um, I, I captioned that when I posted it. I really want to know the backstory on that, right? Because I had never seen that in a cemetery, right? I'm thinking, man, who did they bury, <laughs> right? So I Googled it, you know, I took to the internet, and I Googled it, and that's actually what's called a mort safe, right? It's, it's actually a, a legitimate thing. It's called a mort safe. And so since Abraham Lincoln once said, never trust anything on the internet, <laughs> there you go, you got it. Yes, Whew. all right. I was hoping you'd get that one. I called a funeral director, and I texted the picture to the funeral director. I was like, is this a legitimate thing? I just read this is called a mort safe. And they texted back, and they were like, yeah, that's a legitimate thing. We don't use them anymore. But that was actually very popular in the 1800s over in England. And it was really used for two different ways. Number one, it was used for, you know, preventing grave robbers to come in and open back up the grave and 
take off any jewelry or valuables. Or, or back in the early 1800s over in England, body snatching was quite a thing, where they would dig up a body, they would snatch it, they'd go sell it to a medical school for a cadaver as they're you know, doing medical practices and students are learning. So they, they would do this. And when I saw that picture and I read that verse, that's what I thought. Because here's what the Bible teaches. That as a believer in Jesus Christ, when you die, your soul immediately goes to be with the Lord. There is not one second your relationship with God is broken. You know, so we, we reject a notion of purgatory. We reject a notion of a holding tank. I mean, you die and your soul is immediately to be with the Lord forever. But the Bible teaches us this, that our bodies stay here. But there's a day that Jesus is going to resurrect our bodies as Christians. That trumpet's going to sound, and guess what? Ain't no grave holding us down, right? Amen? Ain't no more to save. You put 10 of those things over our graves, and when Jesus says it's time, it's time. And we get a new body. This body resurrects, and now in heaven we have this resurrected body for all of eternity that still in heaven belongs to the Lord that he will use for his glory. That's why right now it matters what you do to your body. Because look at verse 15. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? So Paul's showing us that our bodies right now are connected to Jesus. And then notice the deeper connection we see in verse 19. Okay, so let's jump there. In verse 19, he says, Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. So right now, Paul says, as believers in Jesus Christ, our body, we temple the Holy Spirit. That when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, God deposits the Holy Spirit within us. That means we are walking temples of the Holy Spirit today. And to me, that, I mean, boy, that just blows my mind. I don't know about you guys. But it absolutely floors me when I think about this doctrine, that God would put his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in us. And what you see out of that is so beautiful to me because that shows you he's not a distant God. That shows you he loves you. That shows you he wants to be close to you. That shows you he wants a relationship with you because he says, I care about you so much. I'm putting my spirit in you. And what a gift the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, discernment, convicts us of our sin when we get off the path, leads us, directs us, empowers us. I mean, what a gift that God says, I love you so much. Not only did I send my only begotten son to die on the cross for you, but now as a believer in Jesus, I'm depositing the Holy Spirit in your life. And now you temple that spirit. That's why it's important that we pay attention to our bodies because we belong to the Lord. Our bodies belong to the Lord. So what do we do? 
What are just some practical things we need to do with our bodies? Let's look at what Paul says. He says this in verse 18. He says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So he says right there, this is what we ought to do with our own bodies right now. Flee from sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality is pornea in the Greek, and it's a term that's a broad term. Right? So he's going to talk about broad sweeping strokes of sexual sin here. So it's flee prostitution, flee homosexuality, flee pansexuality, flee sex outside of marriage, flee pornography, flee all of those things. And when he says flee, it literally means to run. And the way it's written in the Greek is it's keep on running, right? You just keep on running from these things. I think Paul would have had this story in mind. And it's the story of Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Genesis chapter 3, there's, Joseph is working for a guy named Potiphar down in Egypt. He's got a wife. And Potiphar's wife comes up to him a few times and she makes us some, some advances in his way. Says, hey, I want you to come lie with me. Why don't you come lay down with me? Joseph's like, nope, nope, nope. Well, one day in the house, it's just Potiphar's wife and it's Joseph. And she comes up to him and she grabs him literally by the coat. And she says, I want you to come lay down with me. And listen what it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 12. So she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. That's what Paul's getting at. Sexual immorality, pornography, sex outside of marriage, all those things that are not within the context of the way God set them up, you need to run, and you need to keep on running. Notice also God is wanting us to have pure physical relationships. So not only are we to flee sexual immorality, because the body belongs to the Lord, let's keep our physical relationships pure. Look in verse 16 again. He says, do you not know that he who's joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as written, the two will become one flesh. What Paul's talking about there is the act of sexual relationships. And I know in our culture, just like this culture, and again, I, this is what amazes me about preaching through 1 Corinthians. If you've been with us for any time in this series, man, you should be seeing, boy, the American culture and the culture of Corinth, they ain't a whole lot of difference, even though they lived halfway across the world over 2,000 years ago. I mean, we're pretty much right where they are. And just like them, to us in our American culture, sex is a joke. You know, you see it on TVs, you see it on movies. If, you know, again, obey your thirst. If it feels right to you, then it must be right, so go ahead and do it. But we have to understand this, that the physical act of sex is more than just the physical act of sex. There's something that happens in that. There's a spiritual union that is created. And, and sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a good thing when it's practiced in the right way within the right context. Because God invented sex, and God invented marriage. And the very first marriage ceremony, I don't know if you guys knew this, very first marriage ceremony was in the Garden of Eden. Three people showed up, Adam, Eve, and God. 
And here's what God said in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, or maybe your translation is going to say join to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So right there, Garden of Eden. I don't know if Eve was the first bridezilla or not, right? I mean, just like, I'm pretty sure she was good with the marriage ceremony. But right there, God instituted marriage. God instituted the act of sex, that these two, a husband and a wife, should be joined and they become one flesh. So the act of sex is a good thing when it is practiced in the right context in a marriage with a husband and a wife. Therefore, we have to be pure in our bodily relationships with others because the body belongs to God. Your body belongs to him. Now, some of you are probably pushing back on me in your mind on some of this. And you're thinking again, whoa, 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 hang on. If it's my thought, if it's my feeling, then my feeling has to be right because that's the way I feel. You're thinking, no, 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 obey your thirst. This is my thirst, my appetite. I want to obey it. Let me just explain it to you again a different way. If that's your logic, then it's going to be hard-pressed for you to tell me that you're a Christian. Because essentially then, you're saying you're worshiping the God of your thirst. You're worshiping the God of your desire instead of worshiping the God of the Bible. Because here's what the God of the Bible says in verse 20. He says, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That bought with a price imagery right there, it's really given us the picture of what we would call redemption. It's taken us back to the slave market where someone's freedom was purchased. It was bought. You were bought with a price. Your freedom was bought. What was the price? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 7 says it this way that you were bought with the price, and in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That's what you were bought with. His blood, that was the price of your redemption out of the slavery of your sin. That's what Jesus did for you. Therefore, God made you God bought you, and your body belongs to the Lord. And so this morning, let me just wrap it up and, and just kind of say it this way. I, I know there are some of you, you've made some past mistakes in this area. And, and it could have been something this week. It could have been something this month. It could have been years ago that, that you made a mistake in this area whether it was a, a, a sexual relationship outside the bounds of marriage, whether it was pornography, what, whatever it was, you've fallen in this area. Maybe for some of you, it's something you're currently doing. Let me encourage you to do this. Confess that as a sin. Because that's what the Bible says. When we, when we confess our sin, 
that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that word confess, that means to agree. So if you will agree with God what God already knows about what you've done, then you're going to find forgiveness. But confession is just saying, hey, God, I'm sorry. But part of being forgiven is repentance. Repentance is this, and real easy to understand, but hard to practice at times. Repentance is you turn and run. Just like we just read earlier, flee from sexual immorality, that's repentance. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to run away from that, but I'm going to run to somebody. All right, I'm just not running away from it, but I'm going to run to Jesus. And for some of you this morning, that's maybe what you need to do. You need to confess your sin right before God, repent of it, meaning you turn from it, and now I'm running to Jesus, and then I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to believe in his power of forgiveness. Because listen, what you've done or what you're doing, you're not too bad to be forgiven. It's not too great that God can't forgive you. But until you confess it and repent of it, and believe in Jesus, you're not going to find the freedom that you have in Christ. And so this morning, I want to just call you to do that, to remember today, your body, my body, it belongs to the Lord. I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message. And I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus asks a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead. That we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, did Jesus do everything he possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is he the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day he will take you to be with him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today right where you are to receive them and believe in him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says, that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, 
that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you, if you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page. And we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you soon.